Amen. Amen. Awesome. Man, I'm so thankful for our worship team, aren't you, man? I'm just so thankful for them and just the work that they put in their hearts. And I just love it. I love it. We're blessed to have them. Hey, uh, if today is your first time, you're brand new. My name is Mark, and I'm the lead pastor uh, here. We're just excited to have you. You know, if today you're brand new here for the first time, we've got a free gift for you. All you need to do is fill out what we call a connection card. That's the card that's either on your seat uh, or on the back of the seat in front of you. And uh, it looks just like this card. So we always give everybody a moment or two at the end of the service. Fill it out. You can drop it in the offering baskets as they're going around. But if you're brand new uh, here today, take this card out there to the welcome area after service. We'd love to say hi to you. Put a free gift in your hand. Uh, maybe you're not brand new. You've been coming for a little bit, but maybe I've never met you. I'd love to meet you really quick today. I'll be at the welcome area after church. Love to say hi to you, your family. Just thank you for coming here to join us today. Hey, I want to mention uh, two things really quickly before we uh, pray and jump in. The first thing that I want to mention is this Wednesday night at 6 o'clock is our community block party. Now, our goal here, we did this for the first time last year, um, our goal here is to really uh, be a blessing to this neighborhood right here that we're in. I mean, anybody can come. Everybody's invited. Uh, but we are really aiming to sow some seed and to be a blessing to the houses and people that live right here around this church. And so uh, a lot of people have signed up to help. Maybe you want to as well. You want to help pull this event off. We need your help to do it. Here's all you need to do. You can, uh, if you've got the Summit app downloaded, you can sign up for that on your, uh, just click sign up. You can should be able to sign up that way. If not, though, you can go to the welcome area right after church and let us know that you would want to help. But if you want to volunteer at the block party this Wednesday night, all you need to do is be here Wednesday night at 5.30 if you can. So if you're a volunteer, be here at 5.30. If you can't be here at 5.30, just come when you can. That's fine. I understand work and school things like that. But if you can, 5.30 if you want to help out with the community block party right here. And also with that, uh, we are asking people, if you're going to come Wednesday, if you can, make a dessert and bring it. All the other food and everything like that is covered, but, uh, but if you want to make a dessert, bring a dessert, buy something that's dessert ish and bring it uh you can you can bring it with you wednesday it's all everything else is covered but dessert so you can bring that on wednesday all right hey uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna pray for us uh really quick also really quick hey if your students uh middle school high school students are on normal schedule tonight all right 5 30 middle school 6 30 high school all right i want to throw that out there to you i'm gonna pray we're gonna jump in let's pray Jesus, right now, I, I just thank you, God. I, uh, just singing those lyrics and thinking about every place that we're going to go today. God, you, you've put something together here, and I love when you do that, Father. I thank you that, that, God, you are supernaturally in the mix in ways that, that, God, we're not even aware of. God, that even goes down to the reasons that we're here today. We might have come because we come here every week, or we're here for the first time because we came with friends or family. Uh, Father, it, it didn't just so happen that we came to this building today. Uh, God, you planned, you orchestrated, you wrote it down that we would have a meeting with you today. You've got something, Father, for every single person that's here. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us in a way that only you can, that you'd get our attention, you'd get our hearts, that we wouldn't just simply listen to a sermon today. God, we haven't simply sung some songs today, but God, that our hearts would be so open to you that, Jesus, when we leave, we're transformed. God, we're changed. It can happen today. So God, do that and, and do it for your glory. Father, I pray that you'd give me the words to say. And, and God, I need help. Jesus, we all need help. And Holy Spirit, we praise you that you are a helper. We love you. Have your way here. This is yours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
Amen. Amen. Well, today we are kicking off a brand new series that I'm really excited about called Running. Uh, it's through the book of Jonah. We're going to be in Jonah for the next three weeks. We're going to go through the whole book. It's an extremely short book. If you've never been read the book of Jonah, you can literally read it probably less than 15 minutes. Uh, it's extremely short. We're going to go through the whole book in three weeks. Uh, but today we are kicking off this new series called Running. And as I've shared here a lot before, I get a lot of sermon illustrations and I talk a lot about running. I love to run. And one of the things that I've talked about here is that when, uh, when you run, when I run, uh, people like to yell things at runners, right? So maybe you are a runner and people have yelled things at you. Maybe you're not and you yell things at runners and you need to repent and get right with the Lord. Um, but uh, but a, really, a, a really popular one that I've found as I, as I run, you know, downtown, the park, that sort of thing around here, uh, a really popular phrase that people like uh, to yell at runners around here is, Run, Forrest, run! And, and when I hear you say that, I, I say some things that I have to ask Jesus to forgive me for. And then I think, can we not get something updated? You know, that was quite a while ago, the forest reference, you know. Um, one thing that people, people say all the time, and, it, and, and people yell it at runners, and people come up and say it to me. And, and, I, and you hear this all over. It's not just like a local thing. This is, this is all over the place. One thing that I hear all the time is people will come up to me and they'll say, what are you running from? And you know what? That's a good question. Because I bet we could all grab, the, grab a microphone this morning, and I bet everybody could tell a story of at least one time in your life when you ran from something, right? Maybe when you ran from responsibility. Maybe when you literally were trying to avoid somebody, right? You were in Walmart or some kind of store, and you saw them, and then you ducked down an aisle. You didn't even need to go down. But what were you doing? You were running. You know what I'm saying, Right? Maybe we've run, from, we've ran from something that we thought God might be leading us to. But here's the thing. I just think that at, at some point in all of our lives, my life, your life, we've all ran from something, haven't we? And here we are. We're starting a, a series in the book of Jonah. If you've got your Bible, you can go ahead and open it up, turn it on, whatever you need to do uh, to go to the book of Jonah. So Jonah is an extremely tiny book in the Old Testament. So if you're not familiar with it, you might want to use your table of contents. But go ahead and open it up, turn it on, Jonah chapter 1. The words are going to be on the screen behind me. But as we're turning here, uh, here's what you need to know. The book of Jonah is about running from God. That might surprise you because you thought Jonah was about a guy that got swallowed by a fish. And, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Jonah, the book of Jonah, is not about a guy that's swallowed by a fish. Now, does that happen in the book that we're going to be in for the next couple of weeks? Yes, it does. We're going to see it at the end of this chapter. Next week, the entire sermon, Jonah's going, Jonah's going to spend all next Sunday in the belly of a fish. Now, we don't know what kind of fish it was, right? I mean, people say whale, fish, whatever. The Bible doesn't really tell us what kind of uh, a fish or animal, whale, whatever it was. But, but does that happen in this book? Yes. But listen to me. This is not a book about a guy that gets swallowed by a fish or a whale. And on top of that, can we just be honest about the book of Jonah this morning? Let's just get everything clear. Let's just lay it out on the table. This book is really weird. And if you don't think this weird, what that says to me is you've been in church for a long time. You've been in church for so long, you think it's normal for people to get swallowed by fish and write a book about it. 
Right? You don't, you're not even blinking an eye. Weird. Well, listen, let me tell you something. If you have friends, family members, co-workers that don't go to church, you're here for the first time, you're not a church person, you walked in with friends or family members, listen, I can guarantee you one thing. Your unchurched friends or family members, or if you're here, you don't typically go to church, a dude getting swallowed by a fish and writing a book, that's weird. But can I tell all of us this morning, that's not the weirdest thing in the Bible. This isn't even top ten. There's a prophet one time, God's trying to get his attention and he's riding the donkey and the prophet won't listen to him. God causes the donkey to talk. That's in the Bible. And I, I think maybe when we'll get to heaven, I really hope that when that donkey talked to that prophet, I really hope it was in the voice of Eddie Murphy's donkey from Shrek. You know, I just, I pray that that's what that donkey sounded like. Shrek, you know, I can't even do it. But I just hope that Jesus just did that for us. You know, that's, but, but the Bible, listen, that's not even the weirdest thing in the Bible. You know what the weirdest thing in the Bible is? There was this guy that the Bible talks about, and, and some people liked him. A lot of people hated him so much that they killed him. And three days later, he got up out of the grave and walked out. He literally rose from the dead. Now, I don't know where y'all roll. You can get excited. So, see, see, church people are like, yes, yes. Here's the deal. I don't know where you roll, but where I live, when people normally pass away, it, typically stays that way from our vantage point, right? Can we just be honest? This is weird. This, this, that, that, is, that is weird. And listen, listen, our faith doesn't hang on a guy getting swallowed by a fish or a whale, but our faith does hang on a guy that died and rose from the dead. Let me show it to you. Look at this verse here. I believe it's going to be on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17 says this. If Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. I was in a conversation a couple of weeks ago and somebody asked me this question about three or four weeks ago. So you believe everything in the Bible, even the story about the guy that got swallowed by the whale? I'm going to my cards on the table. Here's why I believe the story of Jonah. Jesus believed the story of Jonah. Jesus talked about Jonah and the story of Jonah, not as if Jonah was a fable or a myth or a parable. Jesus talked about Jonah as if he was a historical person. He talked about what happened to Jonah as if it was a historic event. Jesus talked about, we're going to talk about it next week, Jesus talked about the sign of Jonah. So Jesus believed that the book of Jonah is a true historic event. Jesus also said that he was God, that he would die, and that three days later he would come back from the dead and he did it. So I just want to say to us this morning that the supernatural aspects of our faith, the supernatural things in the Bible might make us uncomfortable. Maybe we think that we've advanced, you know, far beyond that. We, we people who live in the Western world, we don't really believe all that spiritual mumbo-jumbo. I just want to say that the reason that we all came today is because 2,000 years ago they crucified a man named Jesus in the ancient Near East and three days later we've all gathered here because he came back to life. Amen? Right? So, so you can't remove the supernatural aspects of our faith. I just feel like we need to keep Christianity weird. You know what I mean? We need to make sure we don't lose it because it hangs on a man coming back from the dead. And that man believed the book of Jonah. And that man believed that the events in Jonah happened. All right? So Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1, starting in the very first verse, it says this. Let's just dive right in. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, 
that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So here's Jonah. Jonah is a prophet, and Jonah clearly hears exactly what God wants him to do. Jonah, I want you to go down to Nineveh, and I want you to preach to them that I love them, and I want you to warn them that if they don't repent of their sins, they're going to face judgment. Jonah hears that, and what's his first response? Get out of Dodge. There ain't no way I'm doing that. Jonah's first response. Listen, Jonah knows exactly what God said. There wasn't any confusion on the transmission of the message at all. He just doesn't like what God said. So Jonah's first response is to run away from God and everything that God called him to because Jonah and the Israelites hated the Ninevites. They were, God, they, were, they were God's enemies. They were the Israelites' enemies. And so Jonah says, listen, there's no way I'm going to go to Tarshish. Uh, there's no way, rather, I'm going to go to Nineveh and preach to them that, God, you love them and that, they, and that they can be forgiven. Because here's the thing. Not only did Jonah hate the Ninevites, everybody around Jonah hated the Ninevites. So God's call was putting Jonah's reputation at stake. Think about it like this. Jonah was embarrassed by what God just told him to do. Because what if I go down there and preach and they all repent and get saved and then it's my fault, right? So Jonah runs. He runs away and just so happens to find a ship on the way to a city named Tarshish. Now here's what you need to know. Tarshish and Nineveh. Tarshish would be in modern-day Spain. Nineveh, modern-day Iraq. Tarshish was 2,500 miles away from Nineveh. Over 2,000 miles away from Nineveh. And here's the thing. In the exact opposite direction... So Jonah knows that this boat is going to take me as far away from God and as far away from what God has called me to do as possible. So Jonah pays the fare, gets on this boat, verse 4, but look at this. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. So Jonah is running from God, but here's the good news. We'll talk about it in a minute. God is running after Jonah. God sends a storm and a wind to come after this ship. Verse 5, then the mariners, these were the people who were on the ship, right? Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah, look at our boy Jonah. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship, laid down, and was fast what? Asleep. So imagine this, these people, they're all on this boat heading to Tarshish, this massive storm all of a sudden comes, and these guys are so desperate to live, they're praying to any God that could hear them. They're crying out to anything that could help. They're throwing the cargo overboard because the ship is about to sink. And where's Jonah? Jonah is under deck, and he is taking a nap. Let's keep reading. I love this. Verse 6, the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God, will, perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on, who do you think? Jonah. 
God sends a storm. Now these people are casting lots to see whose fault this is and who comes up. It's Jonah. So verse 8, then they said to him, tell us on whose account and what, e what evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? Where is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid. They'd heard stories about how this God had set people free from Egypt, part of the waters, done all kinds of things. They were afraid and said, what is this you've done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. That sounds like a good option, doesn't it? Just throw me overboard. Just right in the water. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. Because that sounds crazy. You want us to throw you overboard? There's no way. Let's just push harder. But they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord. Now these other guys are praying. Oh Lord, let us not perish for this dude's life. He ain't worth it. He ain't worth it. I love the Bible. He ain't worth it. We just met this dude. And lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice. This is awesome. Sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Look at this. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And y'all thought you had a bad week. Right? And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. So this storm comes and these guys are saying, whose fault is this? They cast lots and, and it comes up to be Jonah. And, and, and all of a sudden they, they say, what are we going to do? Jonah says, throw me overboard. That's eventually what ends up happening here. But everything in this first chapter is Jonah is running from God. Jonah is, is running away from God, running away from God's call. And no matter how far Jonah goes, God just keeps coming after Jonah. Sends a storm, causes him to cast lots, sends a fish. And, and don't miss, just so, we can, just so we can see this, do not miss that these guys who didn't even know God, didn't even worship God, by the end of chapter 1, they are praying and they are worshiping and offering sacrifices to God. Listen, what I take from that is this. Don't miss this, but this is an aside. It's too good for us to gloss over and not mention. Just because God is using you doesn't mean God places a stamp of approval on your life. You hear, hear me? Just because God is using you doesn't mean that God is placing a stamp of approval on your life. Jonah is a disobedient prophet, but God is so great that God can use a prophet on the run and in disobedience to reach these sailors who are far from God. God's not placing a stamp of approval on Jonah's disobedience. He's going to deal with it. But God also loves the men on this boat, and he's going to reach them too. And so Jonah is running from God. And by the time we get to the end of the chapter, Jonah... Three days, three nights in the belly of a fish. And now you look at that and you think, what's that got to do with me? That has nothing to do with my life. What, what in the world does this guy have to do with my life? I want to tell us this morning that Jonah has everything to do with my life. And Jonah has everything to do with your life today. I don't care if you're a Christian, not Christian, I don't care, young, old, wherever you're at. Jonah has everything to do with our lives today because here's the deal. We are Jonah. 
We are Jonah. I am Jonah. And so are you and you and all of us. We're all Jonah. See, we have to ask this question. Why was Jonah running from God in the first place? And it's like we said earlier. Jonah hated the Ninevites. Jonah didn't want anything to do with the Ninevites. And so when God says, Jonah, I want you to leave your hometown and go preach to the Ninevites, here's Jonah's response. I don't want to do it. Write this down. If you are truly following Jesus, Jesus will ask you to do things you don't want to do. Amen? Anybody ever experienced that? If you are really following Jesus, Jesus, you can bet your bottom dollar on it. Jesus is going to ask you to do stuff you don't want to do. Has anybody ever asked you to do something you don't want to do? Clean your room. Take out the trash. Go see those family members that you've been working really hard to avoid those family members. Hello? Right? Don't look at them. Your boss asks you to do something you don't want to do. Your teacher asks you to do something you don't want to do. Has God ever asked you to do something that you don't want to do? Now here's what I guarantee is happening in the room right now. Somebody just heard me ask that question because don't gloss over that question. Somebody just heard me ask that and here's what you thought. No, never has. God's never asked me to do anything that I didn't want to do. And listen, if that's you, my response is really? That's awesome. You should be the preacher here. It's great. You mean God's never disagreed with you? You mean that God's never asked you to step out of your comfort zone? You mean God's never asked you to do things, something that was a stretch for you, asked you to do something that was uncomfortable? Listen, the longer you follow Jesus, the more he's going to ask you to do things that you and I, we don't want to do. And he's not just going to ask us to do it one time. He's going to ask us to do it over and over and over. He's going to ask us to do things that we're not comfortable to do. But every time that God asks us to do something that we don't want to do, it's not to punish us. It's so that we can go deeper in the love of God. It's so that we can grow and know who we are in Christ in a way that we wouldn't know it had we not walked through that thing that we didn't want to go through. Listen, I'll just be honest with you. I remember when God was calling us to come back home right here in Hazard and start this church. I'll just be honest. I didn't want to. I had a bunch of friends that planted churches and every one of them failed and shut down. I didn't want to go through that. I did not want to walk through that at all. Moving back home, that was not on the cards for us. But here's what we just kept coming back to. God was calling us. God was speaking this into our lives. See, here's one of the things that I know about me. Maybe it's not true for you. There are things that are in my life, and I like them the way that they are. There are things in my life, and I find them really comfortable. And one of the things that I've learned about God is God has every right to step into my life at any moment, and he could call me to something that would change all of those things. Has God ever asked you to do something that you don't want to do that's just uncomfortable for you? When God called Jonah to go to the Ninevites and preach, God was dealing with Jonah's pride. He was dealing with Jonah's, honestly, racism and prejudice towards the people of Nineveh. God was getting really close to some things in Jonah's life, and Jonah's response was to run. What are some things in your life that if God got close to them, your first response will be to run? Every year in the Jewish calendar, Jews, to this day, this is what happens every year. The most holy day for Jewish people, the most holy day in the Jewish calendar is a day called Yom Kippur. 
Yom Kippur is a day where individually and corporately they come together, Jews do, to confess their sins to God. And Jewish people all over the globe on Yom Kippur, they go and meet at a certain time at their synagogues. And do you know what they do on Yom Kippur when, when they gather in the synagogue? They read the entire book of Jonah out loud every Yom Kippur once a year. Do you know why? To remind themselves that we have an inner Jonah. Some synagogues, as soon as, they, as soon as they get to the last verse in Jonah 4, the entire congregation says out loud, We are Jonah. Because I don't know about you, but I have an inner Jonah. And maybe you do too. In fact, maybe we should just ask the question this morning and just, just get really personal this morning. Maybe we need to ask, what are you running from today? What are you running from this morning, maybe just like Jonah, God is calling you to step into something you don't want to step into. God is calling you to go in a direction, honestly, you don't want to go into. God is calling you to take a risk. You don't want to take that risk. God's calling you to go a different direction with a career path. Maybe God is calling you to, uh, to start a church. Maybe God's calling you to get more involved in this church. Maybe God's calling you to forgive somebody. Maybe God's calling you to confess a sin in your life and, and seek reconciliation with him or, or with another person. Listen, I'll show you something that Jesus calls every single one of us to that all of us in some way, shape, or form run from. Watch this verse. I think it's going to be up here. Matthew 16, 24 says this. Look at this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, look at this. You must give up your own way. <laughs> Take up your cross and follow me. Jesus says, if anybody wants to follow me, they got to give up their own way. They got to take up their own cross. What's that mean? It means if we're going to follow Jesus, we have to die to a lot of things. You know why following Jesus is hard? Because a part of us doesn't want to die to anything. Amen? And Jesus says, the only way you can come and follow me is to give up your own way and take up your cross. What are you running from today? So we're talking about running from God. We're going to talk about it in this series. Let's get really practical. Running from God has a particular sound. Here's what running from God sounds like. If you're taking notes, write this down. Running from God sounds like this. No. That's it. It's when God calls you to do something or asks you to do something and your response is no. No, I don't want to do that. No, I'm not going to go there. No, I'm not going to talk to them. God, no, I am not going to do this. My gosh, man, can I just tell you how many times I've, so, I've told that to God? Maybe y'all don't do that. Y'all's halo, halos are shining really bright this morning. I don't know about y'all. But can I just tell you, I, I've said to God, God, listen, I don't want to forgive them. I don't want to admit that I'm part of the problem. God, I don't want you to change my attitude. And listen, the moment that I tell God no, I begin to go one way, God begins to go another way, and every time I go in the opposite direction of God, listen to me, I am going in the wrong direction. Don't miss this. Look at what Jonah does here. Look at this. Look again at verses 2 and 3 in Jonah chapter 1. So God calls Jonah to go up, to go preach to the Ninevites in verse 2. Verse 3 of chapter 1. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. Watch this. Watch, watch, watch. From the presence of the Lord. In Hebrew, that, word, that verse right there, literally that phrase, the presence of the Lord, literally it's translated to say this, that Jonah fled from, watch this, the face of the Lord. 
And so here's the thing, Jonah's a prophet. Jonah knows theology. Jonah's been taught that God is what theologians call omnipresent. God is everywhere. You can't be out of his presence, right? We talk that way. God's everywhere. God is with me. Listen to me. That's not what Jonah's talking about when he says, I'm running from the face of God. When it says that Jonah is running from the presence or the face of God, it literally means that Jonah is running from the felt, experienced presence of God. Think about it like this. Do you know who wrote the book of Jonah? Jonah. Right? So just go with the guy. Jonah wrote the book of Jonah. Here's the thing. This is Jonah's journal. And when Jonah says that he ran from the presence of the Lord, here's what he's really saying. He's saying, I ran from every circumstance, every possibility where there could have been me having an encounter with God. So I stopped going to the synagogue. I stopped praying. I stopped reading the scriptures. I stopped telling people about God. I gave up everything that at one time used to give me life because if I did it, I was afraid God was going to be there. So I am running from everything that could put me in the atmosphere of the felt presence of God. Can I tell you, in 2019, that is exactly what we do when we start to run from God. Amen? Happens all the time. We go one way, God's going another way. Here's what happens every single time. I quit church. I write off all of my Christian friends. Amen? I'm going to write off all of my Christian friends. I refuse to talk to them anymore. I'm going to stop praying. I'm going to stop reading the Bible every day. I'm going to start justifying things in my life that I used to not be able to justify so that I can get away from the presence of God. I love that it says in verse 3, I love this, watch this, verse 3. I love that Jonah says, listen, God, if you want me to go to Nineveh, I'm going to get as far away from you as I possibly can. And it just so happens that when Jonah goes to the port of his city, verse 3, he finds a ship going to Tarshish. Can I just tell you that if you want to run from God, you can always find a ship heading for Tarshish. Oh, you, wanna, you can always find friends that say this. Oh, you want to quit that church? Hmm, I've heard things about that church. I ain't never been, read them on Facebook, but honey, they're all full of hypocrites. You ought to quit that church. Oh, listen, prayer never worked for me either. Oh, listen, the Bible is boring for me too. Oh, listen, you ought to just walk away from it. People are making fun of you because you follow Jesus. Your friends are thinking you're crazy because you're still going to church. Your husband, your wife is waiting for you to give this up. You can always find a ship heading for Tarshish. There's always one ready for you to board. Uh, and listen, the fare to that ship is free. Amen? And can I tell you, that ship never leads to where you want it to go. I have never seen somebody get on a ship to Tarshish and say, glad I came. Glad I'm here. Can, can I just be really vulnerable with you for a second? I can do this here. I was... I was writing this week. I was working on part two of this sermon series. And I got a call from a lady in the first church that I ever worked at. First church I ever worked at. I got a call, and I hadn't talked to her, her in, in, in years. Called me out of the blue. And she told me about a guy in this church that I really connected with. He was a leader in this church. He was their youth pastor for a while, their worship leader, went to another church and was on staff at that church. He became a spiritual leader in that community. I mean, you think Hazard's small. This place is, is actually smaller, and people just knew him. He was a spiritual leader in that church. And, and I'm just being honest here. I'm trying to tell this in a way that, that, you know, they listen or anything at all. But here recently, in the past couple of weeks, left his wife, abandoned his wife, 
abandoned their three kids, unfriended every single person that he went to church, church with from Facebook, said, if you contact me again, I'm going to contact the authorities for harassment. I don't want to hear anything from my church. I want to be completely left alone. And here I am working on a sermon series about running from God. And she's calling me. And you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking that that guy just got on a ship to Tarshish. And he's not going to like what's, what he finds when he gets off that boat. Amen? He's not going to like what he finds when he gets off that boat. So, so what are you running from today? There is always a ship leading to Tarshish. But here's the good news. And, and let, me just, let me just say this. Let me just say this before I move on. Just, I just really want to drive this point home. Do you see what Jonah's doing there? And the, the, storm is, the storm is raging. The storm's about to tear everything apart. In verse 5, they get to it at the end. Verse 5, Jonah's asleep in the middle of that storm. Man, you know you're in a dangerous place when you're running from God and you don't have a problem with it. Jonah's running from God on this ship and he's asleep. Listen to me, look at me right now. You can run from God and be in complete disobedience and have total peace about it. Amen? Did you know that? Did you know that? You can run from God and be in complete disobedience from God and have a peace about the whole thing. Proof, here's a prophet showing us. So at peace, we're all dying, Jonah's asleep. Jonah is so hardened away from God when those guys say, what can we do to fix this? Instead of Jonah saying, God, forgive me, I'm running from you. What's Jonah say? Throw me overboard. I'd rather drown than go back to that God. But the good news is that when you run from God, God runs after you. When we run from God, this is it. When we run from God, the greatest thing God does when we're running from Him is God runs after us. Amen? I mean, the lots that were cast, the storm that was sent, the fish that swallows him up, it is all God coming after Jonah. It is all God coming to Jonah. Summit, it is all mercy. And I just want us to see today that there isn't a moment in your life, in my life, where in some way, shape, or form, God isn't coming to you. There isn't a day that we go through where God, in every single moment, he isn't running, for, running after us. In every moment, God is coming to us. He is running after us to tell us that He loves us, to remind us that we're His, to remind us that He'll never walk away from us. Every single moment of your day, God is coming after you. God is running after you. Not in judgment, but in love. Did you know this? Every single moment. Every single moment. But here's the deal. Here's the thing. God is coming to us in every single moment of every single day running after us. What I need to do is I need to build awareness in my life of the presence of God around me. Amen? If you were swallowed by a fish, would you complain about it or at some point realize God is in this place? I love that the Bible is so honest that it tells us that Jonah was in the fish's belly for at least three days before he realized, wait a second, I think God's up to something. I love that this guy's a little bit slow to get to where God wants him to go, right? You know what I'm saying? He, he, he's, he's, his heart is so hard, three days, he's in the belly, he's crying, he's spitting, he's saying all kinds of stuff. And then he says, wait a second, I think God is in this belly of this fish. And then he starts to pray. And then we get to verse 2. I'm just telling you that every single moment of your day, of my day, in every moment of our lives, God is coming to us. 
that situation that you're in and, and, and you just can't get yourself out of or that situation that a loved one's in and you, you feel so weak and helpless, you want to get them out and you can't. God is coming to you in that moment. In that, in that financial setback or the financial blessing, God is coming to you in that moment. When you win the game that you've practiced and poured yourself out for or when you lose that game that you practiced and poured yourself out for, I'm telling you, God is coming to you in that moment. I'm telling you, God is coming to our city right now. God is coming to our country right now. God is running after all of us in love. But the question is, are we going to be aware of Him? Are we going to slow down enough to say, God, how are you coming to me? Man, I'm bad at this. I'm so bad at this. I usually realize that God was with me when I'm on the other side of something looking back at it through the rearview mirror. Amen? That's when, wait, God was with me the whole time. I thought you left me. You were walking with me the entire time. Can I just tell you that if you just want to see your walk with Jesus go to another level, begin to learn to build into your life just the question every day, God, how are you coming to me right now? Because maybe you're here today and God is coming to you because you are running from God. And you just happen to be in that seat from time to time because people come, they say, everybody says this to preachers, right? It's not just me, it's everybody. From time to time, though, people will come to me and they'll say, Mark, that sermon was for me. Everything you said was about me. How did you know that was going on in my life? And I, and I look at them and I tell them it's because I'm stalking you. I'm following your children to school and I'm recording your phone calls. I know what you're doing every single day. I'm kidding. I would never say that. Isn't that weird? I would never do that. That's, that's so weird, right? I would never do that, right? I don't know what's going on in your life. I'm not, I'm not stalking you. I'm not running after you. But God is. Amen? God's running after you. And you came today, and, and you are running. You can be in this building running from God. Amen? Do you believe that? You can be right here every week running from the face of God. And God knew it, and God brought you here today because God loves you, and God wants to set you free. I love, I'm a runner, I said it at the front, I love at the end of every single marathon, big race, Olympics, you know, whatever it is, when the first place runner crosses the finish line, man, woman, doesn't matter who they are, first place runner crosses the finish line, every picture is the same. It's them crossing the finish line, smile on their face because it's over, hands in the air like this, isn't it? Just like this. Just like this. It's a moment of surrender and victory. Can I tell you, life with God looks like this. Just, just surrender. Just surrender. Maybe your hands physically aren't up, but it's a posture of your heart. God, I'm not running anymore. God, I've been bitter for too long. My hands are up. God, I've been angry for too long. My hands are up. God, I've been trying to prove that I'm right. And God, it's not worth it anymore. My hands are up. God, I'm done running. So if that's you today and you're running from God, I'm telling you, you don't have to run anymore because you are being pursued by the presence of a loving God who wants to set you free. But on the other side of that, man, listen, if you're here today and you're not running from God, Thank the Lord. You don't have to wait for a storm or a fish to come and swallow you up for you to begin to seek the face of God. 
Every single day, you and I, we have the choice to dig deeper roots down into the presence of God. Amen? Every single day, we can make the choice and say, Jesus, I'm not going to run. I'm not going to wait for some fish or something to happen in my life to swallow me up and wake me up to how great you are. God, every single day, I'm going to make the choice to pursue and seek you. I love the way that Psalms 27, 8 says it this way. You have said, seek my face. That's what God says. God says, seek my face. Don't run from my face. Don't run from my presence. Don't hold on to what could, could separate and get in the way of my relationship with you. God says, seek my face. And I love that the rest of the verse, Psalm 27, 8, the rest of the verse says this, your face I will seek. Some, that's the invitation. The invitation is God, I don't need a fish. Prefer not to have a fish, right? Swallow me up. Only a storm. Jesus, you said seek your face and your face I will seek. So whether you're running or whether you're not, the invitation is for all of us to seek the presence of the living God and surrender our lives to Him. Would you pray with me today? Just with every single head bowed and, and, and every eye closed, let's just take a moment to examine our hearts are you running from God today? Is there an attitude in your heart that you are holding on to? Somebody did something to you and you just continue to play it over and over in the theater of your mind. And it's just eating away at you. You thought that your life was going to be in a different place and, and nobody knows it, but you just secretly questioning God you're bitter towards God maybe you're running after some sin some relationship nobody else in your life knows that you have already planned how you're going to make this situation happen I am telling you that ship to Tarshish isn't going to take you where you think it's going to go it's not going to take you there just get off that boat right now just get off that boat hands in the air say Jesus I am done running just with every single head bowed, with every eye closed, is there anybody here that would say, Mark, I'm running from God, but today, today, I'm done running. If that's you, put your hand up. If that's you. Anybody in this room, Mark, I'm running from God in an attitude, in a thought, in something in my life. I just want to be done running. There's two hands right there. Anyone else? Anyone else? I, I'm just running, and I want to quit. There's another one right there. Amen. Anyone else? I, I just can't run anymore. God, would you bring us back? God, would you bring us home? Just hands lifted up, hearts lifted up. Jesus, you said, seek your face, and your face we will see. We do not want to run from the presence of the Lord. You might be here today and you're not running. And there's not a, a fish that you can see anywhere. But you just want to recommit and make the decision to say, Jesus, I want to seek your face in a fresh and new way. I want to dig deeper roots into your presence in my life. Jesus, you said seek your face. I'm not running from it. I'm running to it. Your face I will seek. I'm recommitting to it today. If that's you, put your hand high in the air right now. I just want to seek the face of God in a new and fresh way. Hands all over this place today. Praise God. Put your hand up. Anyone else to say, I, I want to seek the face of God in a new and fresh way. Anyone else? God, just build that into our church. Build that into us as men and women, as students, as kids. God, that, that we would love you so much that Jesus, we would want to run to you. 
When everything else says run away, God, we want to run to you. Because, God, you are beautiful and you are worth it. So, Jesus, help us to seek you and love you in new and fresh ways. You might be here today and you're not a Christian. And something inside of you is saying you need to be saved. You need Jesus in your life. Listen, that's not me or this sermon. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you. God is running after you right now. And God is saying, I love you and I want to begin a relationship with you today right here. If you're here today and you you want to be saved, listen to me. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean that you pray a prayer to get saved and you can live however you want. Just try to be a good person. And at the end of the day, if you're good enough, you go to heaven. That's not it at all. Being a Christian means following Jesus. That Jesus is your Lord, your boss, your master. And He's your Savior. And you love Him and you want to live for Him. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer today if you want to make the decision to give your life to Jesus. But make no mistake about it, this prayer and following Jesus will not stay at the level of this prayer. It will lead to a changed life. Not a perfect life, but a changed life. More and more, Jesus will begin to work in your life as you follow Him. But you need to take that step today. So right now, if you want to be saved, I'm going to pray a prayer. I just invite you to pray this with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me today. God, I give my life to you for the first time. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for coming back from the dead for me. Help me to live for you starting right now. In Jesus' name. With every